also want to carry the idea that I am a servant of his, and both are appropriate. Um, regularly in the New Testament, the writers introduce themselves as servants of God. So they weren't abandoning one to just grab onto the other, but they were carrying both as a part of their understanding. So when they were talking about being children of God and treated as children, they were also declaring, I am his servant. And I think where that really benefits the believer is that when, when things are kind of out of control and you're not sure where things are going, you still are, in a sense, in submission to the one who has control over all things and authority over all things. And it's at the end of the day, you say, well, I'm his servant. How this goes, I, I don't know, but I'm going to trust him in this. Um, I, I think walking through things like with, uh, well, with Lucy, with Bill, with Yvonne, you know, these are all critical situations, right? We pray for their healing. We, we desire that deeply. But at the end of the day, we still say, God, this is yours. And how long this lasts or that uh, ultimately there is that yielding to him and saying, I trust you with these events. Um, so I want to go to Luke chapter 19. It's a parable of the mina. Mina was a, a type of money. Uh, it was actually one-sixtieth of a talent by some, <laughs> which means nothing to us. And if you want to know how it was connected to the denarius, it was larger than the denarius. I'm glad we settled that because... <laughs> The money aspect of it isn't as important as what's connected to it. Okay. So Jesus wants to set something straight. He tells this story and he says, uh, and he's telling the people, he says, they, they think that the kingdom of heaven is going to happen right then and there. And Jesus is going, no, there's, there's more to this. And even though... He was talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of heaven was advancing on earth. The fulfillment and the, the full picture is yet to be revealed. And so he tells a story about the man who, who leaves some of his belongings or these mina with different, 10 different servants and goes away for a long time and goes away to be appointed... Uh, and it says, uh, he, he goes to, <laughs> to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. He gives out the mina, and then there are certain ones that say, well, we don't want anything to do with him. We don't want him appointed king. Um, please do something different. And in some ways, that's like somebody saying, well, I don't want to have to submit to Jesus Christ. I don't want to have to yield to God. And it really doesn't matter what you think in that regard, this is the way it is. And so in, in, in declaring this, Jesus is just making this statement that even though some were saying, we don't want this or we don't want to participate in this, it really had no effect on the outcome of who is king. And so when we, when we come to terms with that, 
We can say, well, I don't necessarily like God's ways or I don't necessarily want to do what God has. And really, that's your choice to make, but it's not going to affect the outcome of the big picture, so to speak. It's going to affect your personal life. And so when it, when it comes time for the, the king to come back, he, he has an accounting. He says, okay, I want to see what you did that I handed to you. And so the first one comes, and it's, it's an admirable thing. He takes three out of the ten that he makes notice of. And he says, okay, I, I, I multiplied this by a factor of ten. I, it's ten times what it was. And the king goes, well done. You know, the, here, have ten cities in, as a result of your investment. So, again a smaller portion of money than what it would cost to have authority over 10 cities. But again, this is kind of an exponential thing and a gift from the master saying, I appreciate what you've done. I appreciate what you've invested. So now here's 10 cities. And the second person comes and he has five. He's multiplied it by five, which again is great, right? Depending how long, but still it that's, that's significant. He worked at it. And again, the response is, well done. Have five cities. Finally, the third guy comes and he says, here's what you gave me. Wrapped it up in a handkerchief and uh, kept it safe. Now here it is. Because I knew what kind of person that you are. I know that you take what isn't given to you. I know the kind of person that is very severe, and, and you, you know, you, you aren't the kind of person that, um, I was, he says, I was afraid of you. You're a severe man. You reap where you did not sow. And so in this, the, the person responds back, or the, he says to the, to the servant, he says, you're condemned by your own words. I'm going to condemn you by what you, I'm going to treat you like you say that I treat people. He's already proven differently, but in this case, he says, okay, you get what you think in this case. And he takes away the mina. Now, the question, you know, obviously, even in our own sense then is, okay, um, what's my perception of God? Do I perceive him as harsh and vindictive and a taskmaster? Or do I perceive him as loving and caring? You know, how, how I perceive him has a great deal of impact on how I live this life. I can't, I can't just say he's severe and demanding and doesn't care and then throw my whole energy and heart into something for someone like that. It doesn't work. And so, you know, this is a kind of God. And if I truly believe that he rewards those who diligently seek him, if I truly believe that he loves everyone, then it becomes easier for me to submit myself to him and his purposes and to chase what he desires me to chase. So the end of this, um, he, he says, take from the one who didn't do anything, and then give it to the one that had 10. So he's saying, I, this is like a, 
frosting on the cake, so to speak. This is bonus. But here's, here is one who really went after it. He says, I, I want to reward him. So again, he proves himself willing to give back bountifully to those that have pursued him. The next question that comes to my mind out of this is what will I have to present to the Lord? You know, if, if, if I believe this principle and I believe that I will stand before him one day, then it's a legitimate question to say, what do I have even now that I could hand to him and say, well done? You know, hear him say, well done. Or what have I specifically invested with him in mind? What, what am, what's about my life right now that I'm doing that is mindful of him and is in pursuit of him? Again, a very important question. Because if I can't answer that today, probably we'll have some trouble answering it in the future. So that said... Uh, Jesus was um, talking, he's talking about our chasing of what we're going to eat, what we're going to wear, what we're, how we're going to get by, you know, so to speak. And he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. So it says, if you set your priorities right, things are going to fall into place. But it takes that prioritization in him that we've got to to really be concerned about. I, in, in our circles, we have gathered the idea that all of life can be worship unto the Lord if we'll let it. So every facet of what we do, everything that we do, can be a form of worship if it's submitted unto him. I believe that principle, but the question is, am I regularly going to him and saying, What's, what are you desiring and what do you want in this moment? Because it's really easy to let pride slip in and start doing things just out of pride, right? I want to get this done. I want to feel this sense of achievement. I want others to see what I've accomplished. And it isn't necessarily God first, but it has similar markings of excellence. But the, the core is... What's coming out of my heart in this? It's the same way with our desires and we're chasing things and saying, well, you know, God wants me to, to be pleased and happy. And, and there's truth in that. But is it, is it chasing God's desires, I guess, is, is the critical issue. Um, that said, I want to jump over to Ecclesiastes. Because, I, you know, it's, it's easy to kind of try to consolidate our faith to just saying, well, I prayed the prayer in Christ. I asked him to forgive my sins, and so everything's cool. But we're also called to live for him, right, and to walk in obedience with him, and to heart as a part of our being, and to respond to his ways. And he's willing to teach us by his spirit, and so that's why we say in everything we do, there can be an application in the Lord with this. 
And so, you know, it's like when I, if I'm going out hiking, you know, it can be just because I want to do something that's for me. Or it can be part of God saying, I want you to enjoy. It's a kind of a fine line, right? Or if, if we're investing in something and we're taking on something and we're saying, well, I, I, I want to be wise in this area. Well, is it for me? Or is it in some ways having that sense that God is asking me to invest in this? Or if I'm building something and it's like, okay, is this the Lord or is this me? If I'm, you know, this is a, Ecclesiastes is a, is a book about a man who chased such things. And so in the, the first chapter, he says, I applied my heart to seek and to search by wisdom all that is done under heaven. He says it's kind of a, an unhappy business. It's, it's, it, even that is a form of vanity. Trying to figure everything out and just chasing, he says that, that's not enough in itself. And if that's your only goal, he says there's a certain emptiness to it when you're done. In fact, he, he, he develops this sadness idea saying that the more wisdom you have, the, the, the more sorrow comes with that in life. You, know, you chew on that and you go, I'm not sure. Well, he, he does say it's better than folly. You know, it's better than stupidity. But also with knowledge comes a certain amount of sorrow. It's like when I heard of both the shootings in Houston, Ohio, immediately, well, in some ways I'd almost enjoyed not having that knowledge. Part of it is I'm not sure what I can do beyond say, God, please be with the folks that this is affecting in the moment and be their sense of peace. But I, you know, there is a, a, a sorrow that comes on with that knowledge. But he goes on, he says, well, I also tried pleasure. You know, I, I, if it looked like a good time, I tried it. But he's also going, there's a certain emptiness in that as well. How many have, have uh, if I only had this, and then you get it, and it's like, immediately there's, well, just a little more, or just another thing, or just, it's not quite there. And he's going, that's the thing with chasing pleasure. It doesn't quite get it done. But he also goes on, he, he chases some things that we consider very noble. He says, I put up a lot of buildings. I, uh, I built houses, I planted vineyards, I, uh, I made pools to water the trees, irrigation, you know, he said, I really got into public works and just making things. And yet he, he goes, kind of empty. It's like we can... You can finally get the house that you want. You can get away, look in the way that you want. And he says, it's not enough. There's a certain, just doesn't quite make it. 
Well, then let's try accumulating things. Maybe that'll do it. So he says, I, I got servants. And I got gold and silver. I brought that, you know, I, I accumulated money. And then he says, I even, I went out and got singers. You know, one's good, lots will be even better. What are you in the mood for? Not enough. Concubines. And wife, might as well have lots of wives. He says, didn't wasn't fully satisfied. So where's, where's he going? He's just saying, he, he goes on and he says, I was famous. You know, I'd done more than anyone else in Jerusalem. I, 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 everything that you can point to, I, I was at the top of the heap, but it wasn't quite enough. And he's just, he's just making the point of going, those things are not going to satisfy at the level that our heart cries out for. Man, from all the toil and striving of heart, which he toils underneath the sun, for all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This is also a vanity. He says, you can be pouring out your life, and he says, at night you can't even sleep because you've got more things you're trying to figure out. But here's, here he goes on and says, there is the potential for what we call fulfillment or purposefulness. He says, life does hold that. There is the, there, there is the opportunity to, to feel satisfied, so to speak. He says, there's nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? So he's saying, to feel a certain sense of well-being in all of this, he says, that has to come from the Lord. You can't make that on your own. And we spend a lot of energy, you know, what's your purpose in life? What's going to make you feel fulfilled? And he says, ultimately, that has to come from the Lord. So here's a guy who got to try everything, got to do everything he wanted, and he's saying it's empty except for God. For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. He says those things come from the Lord. Then in the third chapter, moving from this passage into the next one, he says there's a time for everything. This is where that famous passage fits in. Time for birth, a time for death, a time for planting, a time for reaping, a time for killing and healing, time for destroying and building, time for crying and laughing, weeping and dancing, throwing stones and gathering stones. That's something I should have learned a little earlier than I did. My last spanking in high school <laughs> came from starting a neighborhood rock fight. Yeah, I didn't learn very quick. <laughs> I thought I was far enough away from home to get away with it. <laughs> Nosy neighbors had to call. That wasn't the time, obviously. But this, these lists, he just says, you know, he's putting opposites and he's saying, each has its season. 
And in the Lord, there's an opportunity for us to know what and when. What a beautiful thing that is. He says, I perceive there's nothing better for them to be joyful and do good as long as they live, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. What a beautiful thing. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it or anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear him. I'd like to jump back to one final verse, and this is in Colossians chapter 3. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's what we submit ourselves to. We'd, I had, uh, as I was working on this, I had, uh, an old song came up to my mind, uh, I Surrender All, um, All to Thee, Lord, I Surrender, I Surrender All. And in some ways, that's an appropriate prayer. We sang a very similar song this morning, and I think it started to pop up in <laughs> prayer time, too. So I guess I want to say to you, what are your priorities in this moment? And have you lately gone back to the Lord and said, what's the timing for what you're wanting done through my life? You know, I, I realize that there's different seasons, but I, I want to know your timing for now. And then help me to walk that out in you, trusting you complicitly, completely, however that works. God be our strength. Amen. Would you Lord, if some, or there was a call this morning toward being, toward a Nazarite call or setting things aside for the season, we recognize that there are seasons in our life that at times we haven't spent any effort at trying to figure out in you. But Lord, in this moment, I pray that you will help us to, to once again submit ourselves to you and acknowledge that we need your direction. We need that sense of purpose that can come from you. We thank you when you bring satisfaction to life. But Lord, help us to, to acknowledge that it truly is from you. Amen. Let's go back to one of those key questions. Do you trust God enough to be able to ask him what he wants of your life? that he has enough good intent for you that if he calls you to something that there is good involved with it. Crucial question. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you know that we will, as we say this song, I surrender, we say, okay, Lord, what, what's your desire in this? Okay. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended worship. Let's seal some of these things in the Lord, okay? May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to surrender completely to you and to find the fulfillment of life that they've been longing for. 
one that's been chasing and doesn't seem like anything fits and it doesn't work, I pray that they will have the confidence in you to turn their lives over to you. Pray for the one that seems overwhelmed in this instant. That you again give them a sense of peace and a knowledge that you do all things well. Or the one that's running, seemingly no let up. Help them to know there's a time for rest as well. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you enable them to carry out the work of your kingdom. Give them with the supernatural. Amen. God bless you.